Hey, this is Maximize Your Influence Podcast 500 here. Welcome. We've got some cool gifts, freebies, and we're going to talk about some of the coolest facts, figures, statistics, studies learned on the show based on your feedback, based on what I remembered. Just some really cool things you can use, you can implement right now. Become more influential. Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. So good to have everyone back. We've been doing this for a while. Love the feedback, information, things you want to hear on the show. We can be reached at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com or just go to MaximizeYourInfluence. In fact, all these shows we'll be talking about today are available in the archives. You can get those and find out the skills that you want to learn. Plus, again, those freebies. Again, we're passionate here because these are life-changing, game-changing, income-changing skills. The sooner you pick them up, the better. We'll be updating some segments in the show, getting better sound effects. Nothing for you. But let's hear it for Podcast 500. As we talk about, again, these things you've learned on the show, just I ask people, what was the coolest thing you've learned? Been keeping track of it over the time. Also based on a few emails, put some things together. The top 10 things you could have learned, you should learn, you should remember to learn, or at least remember that you did learn them. So one of the first ones, our friend Chris Voss on the show, he used to be the lead FBI hostage negotiator, and you have to learn some influence, some negotiation, some persuasion there, understand emotion, understand people. He wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as Your Life Depended on It. So we did an interview with Chris, and he taught us some great things about negotiation. And the big one is always remember the rule. You should always influence first, persuade first, then you negotiate. I've just noticed monitoring hundreds, probably more than that, negotiations, that people go to negotiation too fast. It's quicker, easier, and faster. Sure, but you're missing out on terms. You're probably going to get fired. You're missing out on how much money. I've asked people in seminars, how much money have you lost for inability to negotiate? It's always in the millions of dollars, especially those who are doing high-end products like real estate, always in the millions of dollars. So remember that hard, fast rule. You want to persuade first, meaning you got to get them to your point of view. Then you can negotiate and meet in the middle. And the example Chris gave was, you know, a hostage negotiation. You can't say, all right, 10 hostages you take five, I'll keep five, we'll meet in the middle, we'll call it a day. That's a persuasion point. You want all the hostages. If you want to negotiate, getaway cars, meals, other things, you can do that. Now, if you don't care about the terms, then go for it. It is quicker, easier, and faster. The next one that came up quite a few times was imposter syndrome. The amazing part of that is the number that came up in the studies on the podcast was at 75% men and women suffer from imposter syndrome. Now, women will admit it more than men, but there's still 75% of the people you're trying to influence as you influence up have imposter syndrome. And what is that? Basically, you're full of fear that you're going to be exposed, that other people are smarter than you, that someone else should got the promotion, that there's a better person to lead the team. So you're afraid to make decisions, afraid to do anything, afraid to be exposed, afraid that people will see you as a failure. You forget about all your past victories. That's a challenge. And if you're influencing to that type of leader, when we talk about leading the leader or influencing without authority, they've got to feel that you're on their team, that you've got their back. 
You've got to remind them of those past victories and why they were promoted or why they got the job. Let them know that you're there to make them look good. Be successful. And show them, too, that the fear of not doing anything should be bigger than the fear of doing something. And remember, everyone goes through at different times, at different levels, how critical self-esteem is. Your own self-esteem, and when you're influencing up or influencing another person, remember this rule from Maximum Influence. You bruise someone's self-esteem, it shuts the door to influence. You open it, you enhance that self-esteem, it opens the doors to persuasion and influence. Off the charts, more important than you think. In fact, esteem became one of the 12 laws of persuasion because it was such a big issue. Not only to influence and leadership, but in persuasion, negotiation, likability, and trust. It's all integrated in all of those. Another one that comes up quite a bit is fear. Fear is real. You can use fear to persuade and influence. Not your best motivator or persuasion tool, but it's better than no tool at all. Here's some of the fun facts and takeaways about fear. First of all, you were born with two fears. Every human in the planet, we've talked about this, fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So the aha moment here is like, wait a minute, all these fun little fears that are holding you back, like fear of rejection, fear of failure, like imposter syndrome, fear of criticism, put those all in there. You've learned them so you can unlearn them. Fear of public speaking, baby can public speak all night long. It doesn't phase them. You've learned these fears so you can unlearn them. And the other piece with the articles we went through on the podcast, that your body does not know the difference between fear and excitement. This creates the same cortisol and adrenaline for fear as excitement. Now, your brain knows the difference because your brain's focusing on all the negative, all the bad things that can occur. You're taking short, shallow breaths, starving your brain of oxygen. That's why we get those nervous butterflies and use that nervous energy and turn it into excitement. Same chemicals. How exciting is that? That adrenaline can be a really good thing because it causes psychological arousal. You're thinking better, quicker, and faster. But then fear can be debilitating and stressful. And I love what they said in this article that the difference between healthy anxiety and unhealthy anxiety is your relationship with the stimulus and whether or not it's making you feel fear or excitement. So how do you do this? We talked about the more you're prepared the more excited you get out of the presentation and changing lives and delivering something that you're passionate about. Visualize the positive, the smiles, the yes, I want to buy, I'm persuaded, let's do it. Visualize that. Quit focusing on all those negative thoughts, change the meaning to those thoughts, and get more oxygen. Remember, fears of the short, shallow breaths with excitement. You want as much oxygen as possible to be prepared for all this adrenaline that's going in your body. That was number three. Number four, and you instinctively know this one to be true, is humor. Humor, happiness, mood, all increase sales, all increase likability, all increase trust. And so your job is to get the prospect in the right state of mind to persuade them. Such a simple, easy, fast way to get that smile, get increased likability and trust, especially in today's world where everybody's getting canceled, there's negativity, there's bad things happen. A laugh, a smile. Even with the studies show that dad jokes work, even if you get that stereotypical child eye roll. It is true it's all the delivery. It is true that a lot of jokes have now become offensive, so make sure it's relevant, not offensive. You've practiced it. It's relevant to what you're talking about. Create that joke list. We've talked about this. Get the dad jokes from your kids. Sign up for dad bad jokes on the internet. There's memes. There's YouTube video clips. 
There's comics. There's so many different things you can do. You can assign it to somebody else in the meeting. Why did the orange stop halfway up the hill? He ran out of juice. Or all dads have said, Dad, did you get your hair cut? No, I got them all cut. I know, they're lame, but there's something about humor, the smile, even if it's a dad joke. An eye roll, a smile on the inside, changes your likability, your trustworthiness, and the mood of the room. And the better the mood in the room, the easier it is to persuade and influence them. And that goes hand in hand with that podcast, too, is that, you know, when people are in a bad mood, they recall bad things. Why they don't like it, why it won't work. Good mood. Wow. Really recall good things. Your past victories, why they should do business with you. So that's another reason humor is so important. Creates a positive environment. People pay more attention. Makes the presentation more memorable. Disarms that negativity, that pessimism in the room. And one I just read the other day, quite interesting, it distracts the audience from overanalyzing. Or let me add, thinking of counter-arguments. Fifth one, stories. Another one off the chart. We should be spending days on. Go to the archives on this. Hey, I just got back from overseas in the Middle East. It doesn't matter where you live. If you're part of the human race, your brain is wired for stories. According to Dr. Aker, she's at Stanford and has been doing research in the marketing department over there. Stories are remembered up to 20 times two more than facts alone. And as you continue in her study, she shows that a fact or a figure, statistic, let's say, will light up two parts of the brain as stories could light up seven parts of the brain. In marketing and sales, there has to be a story. Why they should do it, someone else does it. Success stories, that's in the same category. Stories simplify complex ideas. They grab attention. They make you more memorable. They make you more likable. Connects you with your audience. It kind of reveals and demonstrates who you are. They get to know you more. And we've talked about it before. It persuades without detection. Puts people in a trance, and they're just easier to persuade. In fact, we spend three days just on mastering this skill for leadership. That's how important this is. So practice your stories. Also encourage a story list, stories you've lived, borrowed. I guarantee you have hundreds of them. doesn't matter when and where you're going to use them. Just get them on your list so when you need them, you can look at your list. Practice telling it. Sweet spot around two to three minutes. And if for some reason you're dealing with that diehard analytical story hater, which I'm telling you is rare, and you're with them one-on-one, is if you had to, had to, had to, give them an analogy, a metaphor, a simile. Charismatic leaders use a lot more of those. It's kind of like a mini story when they say something's, something's like a rock or the sheep jumping over a bed or not having a personal development program is like a bucket with a hole in it. There's so many different things that you can do there. Number six, always fascinating, are those subconscious triggers. Remember, up to 95% of persuasion involves a trigger, a feeling. I like them, I don't like them, I trust them, I don't trust them. Up to 95% of influence, just the feeling, it feels right. You want the facts and figures, but if it doesn't feel right, they're still not going to do it. And everyone's data dumping their logic, their facts and figures, and that's not the most persuasive side. Again, you still need both, but you need to balance that. So where are the fun triggers from casinos that people keep bringing up? They deny some of these, but you know, I've done training for casinos down there. I'll let you believe what you want to believe, fact or fiction here. Pumping an additional oxygen in the room to make you more awake and alert. They love it on the, on the slot machines when there's near misses. So close, you missed it by one. And that's part of the gambler's fallacy to where if you got 
a red on the roulette machine, you're going to think, well, next time it's black. No, statistically, it's the same. It's going to be red, but we don't think that way. Free food and drinks, anything distractive, revealing costumes. You start winning a lot, they're probably going to give you some free alcohol. The crazy psychedelic red annoying carpet so you don't look down. You're looking at the machines, people winning. Not to mention there's no straight shot through a casino and everything you need in the casino is in the middle for that very reason. You know this one, no clocks. The dealers aren't wearing watches, no clocks on the wall. Just the lighting in general, you never really know is it 3 a.m. in the morning or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They don't want you to know because they're like, oh, it's late, I'm tired. You just don't know. Crazy, hypnotic music that puts people into a trance. I mean, colors, smells, music, symbols, all trigger different feelings. The symbol of money, yeah, you get rid of your money. That's the first thing. You trade that in for chips because that's not really money. Spending $100 bills harder psychologically than a $100 chip. The lights, the noises, the filtering of the air... The lack of windows, so easy to get in, so hard to get out. We can go on and on, but all those little things. That casino knows when you walk in that casino exactly on average per person from everybody, and each one of these things makes a different, bumps it up just a bit. You can do the same thing in persuasion. Every subconscious trigger you understand is going to bump you up in your ability to persuade and influence. Number seven, the word from last year, a fubbing. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G for those listening. That's phone snubbing. That's a big one, a huge one. I've seen it everywhere. Now that I'm aware of it, it is everywhere. Every culture. Pretty simple. Comes from the Journal of Applied Social Psychology. This cell phone behavior. You're talking to someone. You're getting conversation. They're revealing their wants and needs. Your cell phone buzzes and you look. You disconnect eye contact. Your email dings. You disconnect. You didn't even mean to, but you did it. Put the cell phone away, shut the laptop. I've been practicing. Drives people crazy. Hey, it buzz, aren't you going to look? I'm like, no, not looking. Big complaint. Now I'm not talking about your good friends. They don't care. You're fubbing each other all the time. But when that conversation counts, no fubbing. And we'll go with this word of the year. We talked about well, a few episodes ago from the Oxford Dictionary. New word of the year is Riz. That'll be one of our segments. You got the Riz, the charisma, or the fizz. And to my skeptics, also in the archives, they looked at university students and people in the corporate world asking the question that comes up every charisma training, can charisma be learned, can it be taught? And the answer is absolutely. This study show looked at 12 verbal and nonverbal leadership tactics, and absolutely, it can be learned. And I'll just say this, some of the skills you already have, they're already in your toolbox. Some you're like, yeah, I know about it, but... I don't do it well enough, and some you're not doing it all. Hey, when you become charismatic, people want to be around you. They want to be influenced by you. Hey, get rid of the fizz and get the riz. We'll be talking a lot about that this year. And that's going to be one of your freebies today, my whole program for free on the powers of charisma. Yes, absolutely, positively, it can be learned and mastered. Nine, the big takeaway comes up quite a bit. And again, these aren't in particular order. This one's, I'm saying number nine, but way up there as far as challenges are concerned. It's the concept of price. When people say it's too expensive, you've blown your presentation. You haven't built the value. Even if they can't afford it, they should say, well, that's it. I can't afford it right now, but I want to get it because they see the ROI, the return on investment. So own up. A, if you're an entrepreneur, charge more. Don't sacrifice yourself. I told that as a blunder a few podcasts ago. 
it was a gold mining company and I went a bit low. I needed to have it. I was a brand new trainer. And luckily I had an advocate there and says, yeah, you need to charge more. They're not, they're not going to take that offer seriously. We dig money out of the ground, changed the game for me, added the zero and got the deal. So this is not good. Hey, anybody can fight on price, so you shouldn't do it. Build the value. We all know you get what you pay for. Only 6% of the things we bought on average are bought on price. But 67% of the time when you hear it's too expensive, they're either lying to you, getting rid of you, because probably you didn't build the value. They didn't see a return on investment. Spending $50,000 to make $500,000 doesn't matter if you have it in the bank or not. That becomes a no-brainer, and price becomes a non-issue. So remember, one of the things we talked about on that podcast was one of the favorite persuasion tools, the door in the face, the DITF. This is the anchor in negotiation. It's okay to go high, get a few no's out of the way, especially with professional negotiators. It just changes the game. So someone came up to college and said, hey, would you do a two-minute survey? 25% yes. But when they say, hey, we do a two-hour survey, they're like, no, that's door in the face. Well, at least give us two minutes. So backtrack doubled to 50%. So we won't go into pricing to do that, but quit getting so concerned about price that it ruins your mindset. Make sure you show the return on investment. Make sure you're charging enough if you're a small company or an entrepreneur that makes the difference. And the final one, probably all-time favorite for most, is the dirty, dark deeds. The dark psychological tactics you get in negotiation. I always hesitate with this one. I said, please, this is not to use. And some are darker than others. If you want to know how to handle these, I call it AIM. So when you see these things coming, be aware that they're happening. Recognize it. Don't let it get to you that you're sitting in a smaller chair or they're putting your chair in the sunlight or making you wait 20 minutes before they start or they're not feeding you. Or Hey, be aware. Stay in control and recognize what's going on. Do not let it get to you. And decide at that moment too when you're aware. Are you walking? Do you really want to negotiate with this person? If you have to, you better stick around. If not, it's time to walk or at least reschedule. The second one is identify. So A is aware, I is identify. Call them out. Say, you know, are you guys using good cop, bad cop on me? Is there any reason I'm sitting in a smaller chair? Is there any reason that the thermostat's so hot? Identify, call it out. It says, wait a minute, those weren't part of the rules we decided in the beginning. So you could label it, label the emotion. Okay, I'm sensing some passion, some anger, some frustration. Whatever it is, you can label that emotion so you can continue in the negotiation. The M is modify. All right, let's back up. We need some new rules here. Let's agree on next time this happens, what we're going to do, what we're going to do with this right now. We only agreed on two people from each company, and now you have eight and I have two. All right, do we need to reschedule? What's the new rules? What's happening? What's the new process here? Should I go get more? Do you want to send some years out? What do you want to do here and modify it? In control, not getting emotional, not getting upset. Because in negotiation, only one person angry at a time, and it shouldn't be you. So there you have it, the top 10 things learned over the past 500 podcasts. There's more. Go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, which has its own reward. Here's the special special that something, something, do something. And when you do this something, I'm going to give you the full program. Over $100 value on the power of charisma. Get more Riz. Send me an email, Kurt, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And all you have to do is a social media post, a review on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, any of those. Recommend the podcast to a friend. Anything. Whatever's easier for you. 
just let us know that you did it and what you did. And I am gifting you the whole program. One of the most critical skills of persuasion and influence is charisma. And again, it can be learned. So thanks for your loyalty, your feedback. Tell your family and friends about the podcast. We'll keep going Tell you tell us to stop. Appreciate your feedback and what you want to hear on the show. And take one of the fun facts figures today and start doing it. When we talked about 10, take one of those, start applying it. Hopefully remember when we talked about the podcast, if not, go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Learn it, master it. Influence first, negotiate second, tell more stories, get past your fears, understand subconscious triggers, and go out and persuade with power.